right, welcome to Straw Hat Social Club, uh, your One Piece recap show. Uh, this is, I guess, the first real episode. We're covering the first arc, Romance Dawn. I'm Todd. I'm Becca. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I guess we can get right into it. So Romance Dawn, it's the first arc. It covers the f- first three episodes of the show. Uh, so we only have like n- 990... <laughs> seven or or so episodes to go after this Uh, and it's also the first seven chapters of the manga i guess just to set things up since this is our first real episode the plan is to go through uh each arc kind of recap the story um provide commentary and uh you know any kind of background trivia or whatever that i could dig up I'm just here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, I, th- I think uh, just to reiterate, you know, I've read all the manga. This is really my first time going through the anime. So I'm, it's an interesting position because I'm familiar with the story and everything, but I haven't seen it in the anime. And you have zero experience going into this. Yes. Um, so I'm going to be able to help you, you know, understand all the, the story and the intricacies because One Piece is you know, this really in-depth world with a lot of characters, a lot of stuff to keep track of. So I can help you figure that stuff out. But I think it's going to be interesting to have a fresh perspective, you know, as well. I think this will be fun. I'm already honestly watching those first three episodes was really exciting for me because reading the manga, you know, obviously I've already fallen in love with the world and the characters and all that stuff, but seeing it animated in color with the voice actors and the music like it just adds so much depth to something that i've already fallen in love with so it's it's really exciting i don't know what uh (laughs) how you felt like uh going into this i mean we kind of went into this in the in the intro episode but you know what kind of expectations do you have starting this series so originally basically zero expectations yeah I was watching it to give it a chance and to see, you know, what you're talking about. And I I literally set the bar very low for going into the first episode. That's great. Glad to hear it. (laughs) Well, I I mean. feel the trust. Well, no, it's more so about. I I had never even heard of One Piece before we started watching it. So I had no idea what to expect. So yeah, I guess you're the cool one. I'm not the, the cool one. I wouldn't <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> describe it that way. Yeah, yeah. I did want to point out one thing that was interesting when I was kind of doing a little research. I didn't even know this. I, I want people to understand. I'm not trying to pose myself as like a one piece expert. You know I what don't I mean? Like, think that's I'm what's just happening. Say, I'm just saying, like, I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea here. I, I read it you know, a couple years ago. It's not like I've been following it since the 90s. So I'm still learning a lot of this stuff too, but but I just just found out. learning a lot more. Yeah. (laughs) But I found out that originally, you know, Oda, the the author, his name is Aichiro Oda. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. But he actually, he started coming up with the idea of a pirate-themed manga when he was in high school. So it seems like he was pretty passionate about this idea from the get-go. And it seems like, I don't know if this was his first real job in manga, but the one that people talk about the most is he was an assistant on the Rurouni Kenshin 
Uh, also don't know if I'm pronouncing that right because I haven't read that yet, but it's a very popular manga series and he was an assistant on that. And while he was an assistant on that, he started developing this into uh, a series that was going to be called Romance Dawn, not One Piece. So One Piece actually started out as something that was published by Jump, which is where what Shonen Jump is, like the company's Jump. And it was called Romance Dawn, but he did two versions of this. There was one version that was published in uh, August of 96. And I read it. It's very interesting because you can see where a lot of the ideas come from. It, Luffy like is kind of like one-to-one, like kind of unchanged since then. And then he also did uh, a version two that was released in September 96. And really what was fascinating about this for me is that, you know, I think you could especially appreciate this as an artist and a creator. You know, it's not like he just sat down and boom, started kicking out one piece. You know, he he started with two versions called Romance Dawn that are very similar, but have all these differences that you can tell. Like, it feels very rough. It feels like he's figuring stuff out as he goes. And it took him three tries. You know, the third time is when he actually released one piece, which was in July of 97. But it... it you can see the progression, you know, between the, the two of those. What I thought was really interesting is is there's a lot of changes. There's actually stuff that I can't even bring up and talk about because it would actually spoil stuff from later. You could tell he was working through a lot of ideas. Um, like, for one thing, there is a kind of stand-in for Nami in both of them. It's like these two different female characters who look kind of similar to Nami. But, like, I mean, the first one has a sword. and uh, Wait. She had a sword? She had a sword in in version one. Yeah. And uh, so you can really see how he's working through a lot of stuff. And we'll go into more detail about that stuff later. It's like I said, I can't really talk about much because it actually spoils stuff from later, including there was one thing I picked up on that is is kind of a spoiler for like chapter 1000 something. Like it's only just recently in the manga was revealed. So it shows you how long he's been thinking about a lot of these ideas. What do you think about that, about how how long it took him to get to this point with One Piece, you know? Well, I think that's super inspirational. I right. mean, a lot of artists don't find success until much later in their life or career. I mean, not all, but that is a common theme. And it's inspiring just to hear that he had the idea in high school right. is really cool. Yeah, it's become like his lifelong work. Although, what might not make you feel so good, how old do you think he was when he started making One Piece proper? Well, let's see. He lives in Japan, right? (laughs) Okay, so I want to say he was either in his late teens or 20s when things really started to pick up. Okay, well, at least you already recognize like how poisonous some of the work mentality is over there. But (laughs) but yeah, he was 21 when he started making One Piece. Okay, that makes sense. Which is kind of crazy, especially seeing how far it's come since then. So I guess before we fully get into the recap, did you have any predictions about what would happen in this arc? I know you're going into this very fresh. I think it's going to be more relevant on future episodes, but were there any predictions at all like when you were getting started watching this? Literally zero. I, I didn't have anything to perceive. There's nothing really for me to predict. So, yeah, I didn't really have 
any expectations or predictions because I had no idea what the story was or who the characters were. Yeah, that's okay. So I guess we could just jump right into it. So, episode one, show starts out with uh, a cruise ship that uh, is get, gets attacked by a crew of pirates led by Alvida. So already, one of the things that's interesting about this is that in the manga, uh, the cruise ship part of the story isn't there. Like the other stuff is there, but I think it was it was introduced because Nami in the manga has not been introduced yet at all. She actually pops up later, but it feels like they wanted to bring her character in as early as they could and start developing, you know, her motives and everything, which is interesting, even though she doesn't really do a whole lot. She kind of just pops up in the background throughout this arc and she helps to to lead into the next arc, which we'll get into later. Yeah, I mean, the way it starts, there's a, there's a cruise ship. Uh, Nami is in there doing her thing, robbing them blind. What, what were your, your first impression? I mean, it's not much to go on, but what did you think about Nami from the get go? My initial thoughts on Nami was like, good for her. <laughs> like, I am all about it. Yeah, fuck the rich. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I Even though we only see a small snippet of her here, I, I, at that point, I was already excited yeah. for Nami. So I know uh, we were literally just starting, but I was curious, you know, how do you feel so far just as far as the tone, the art style, the animation, you know what I mean? Was this anything you were expecting? Because I know this is kind of an older series, but how, how are you feeling about that? What first got me was, of course, this is like 90s animation. So it has a, like a warmth to it because they're oh, literally yeah. using acrylic paint. And I love that. So like you can see like the watercolor and the acrylic and the texture. And like that, I think, was really what got me i was like okay i can watch this this is it's got that good feel to it yeah it's i mean that's interesting that you say because i think you're better putting that to words as an artist <laughs> but you you definitely summed it up i it was interesting to me because i think i was nervous getting into it because it's older uh, i knew it was going to look kind of dated at first and i i remember when we first started i was kind of feeling like i can't wait until we you know, get through this early stuff, get to the later stuff where it's more modern looking, but there's like a charm to it. You know, even like when the animation's kind of rough and everything, there is a charm to the art style and the color and all that stuff, which I really like. It felt like really cozy, you know? Yeah, I think that's what made me fall in love with anime to begin with. Yeah. So that really helped in getting me to get into the story. Yeah, sure. And, uh, yeah, maybe there's even like a little bit of nostalgia, even though I've never watched this. It did remind me of a lot of older anime that I watched when I was younger. So that that was interesting for me because uh, I, I was surprised by how quickly I was just there and just felt like so relaxed and was having such a good time watching it. You know, getting back to the recap, um, after we're introduced to this, to Nami... Uh, doing her Robin Hood thing, we uh, we see during the scene that the sailors discover a barrel floating in the ocean and bring it aboard, which might be important in a minute. But shortly afterwards, they notice a pirate ship in the distance with a heart on the sails. So already... I loved that yeah. ship. I thought it was so cute. I, th I think the Jolly Roger design is cool, but that's, that's one of the One Piece things is that there's so much personality in every single part of the world and the characters and everything. And, you know, what's interesting here is that 
this time in the history of the story, it's it's called like a golden age for piracy. So there are all kinds of different pirate crews out there with these distinct personalities and over the top designs. And it's one of the talents of Oda is that he just seems to have this like endless amount of imagination to create these things that don't feel cookie cutter, you know, that each of them has their own personality. But this particular crew, it's led by Alvida, who is obsessed with the idea of being the most beautiful pirate in the world. Who is the most beautiful of all on these seas? But she's very uh, feared by her crew with her giant mace. What did, <laughs> what did you think about this uh, this character? Well, I mean, it's obvious when she's presented that she's like a bad guy. Yeah. And I thought, I think between her and then I think we're going to talk about another character in a moment. That's mm -hmm. when you really start to see, okay, he takes his own path making characters. Yeah. Like they don't all have the same sort of features and everything. Like it's not so streamlined. He's creating something that's completely unique with each personality. Oh, for sure. And yeah, we are also introduced to our sweet little boy, <laughs> Kobe, our sweet, innocent, okay. great I see how he, little man. I see what you're doing. <laughs> you're not going to make me feel guilty okay. for my first reaction to Kobe. Well, yeah, I remember <laughs> you uh, You told me a little bit. Why don't you, why don't you tell me your, your first reaction to Kobe, our little pink haired boy? Okay. I did not like the character design yeah. when he first popped up. I was a little jarred, but I like the character. Yeah. I think he's very sweet. I think I just, that's, besides Alvida, that's where you really see all of these different character designs coming together. Yeah. I think to be fair, I mean, he does have this distinct style that is like very weird and over the top. And even I was kind of, I kind of didn't double take because the pink hair, you know, reading the manga where it's in black and white, you don't get those kind of details. So that was kind of like, all right, that's a choice, but it, it makes him very distinct. You know, you're going to remember our little boy with the glasses and the pink hair. But the whole, whole idea with this character is that he was kidnapped by the pirates and he was forced in the service as their cabin boy. But he makes it pretty clear from the beginning that his dream is to become an officer in the Navy, which, of course, is probably fueled by his mistreatment by the pirates. But anyways, after that, so the Alvita pirates, they attacked the cruise ship. They discovered the barrel that was brought on board. Upon opening it, we're introduced to our one and only main character, Luffy. My name's Monkey D. Luffy. Which I, I guarantee I'm going to mix this up as we go, because one of the funny things about starting with the manga is since I'm reading all the names and everything, it's like in my head I see it, it's like, oh, Luffy. You know, so I went all the way through the end of the manga, like, yeah, that's Luffy. And as soon as I hear Luffy in the show, it's like, well, I guess I'm going to have to rewire my brain to uh, say that correctly. We find out that Luffy, he was napping inside the barrel, as you do, after being dragged into a whirlpool. But what were your thoughts being introduced to this character? What, what do you think about his design and everything? Well, his design is joyful and really adorable mm -hmm. and i think that like that immediately sold me the way he pops out of the barrel yeah i mean and it, it's interesting because they're they're able to show right away just how childlike how you know cheery and energetic he is even after 
being trapped in a barrel and sucked into a whirlpool. He just treats it as like, oh, it was just a nice nap. But I did always think it was interesting how from the very beginning, his design, you know, like I said, even in the prototypes, his design was was the same the whole way through because it was clear he had a very clear... Uh, clear vision. Yeah, he had a clear vision of what this character would look like. And it's so iconic because he, he's such a simple character design. You know, he's just got like his shorts and his vest and his straw hat, but he has become so iconic and so recognizable. And I think it works for the main character who is is meant to be this really strong character, but he is so unassuming and so joyful, you know. So after being freed from the barrel, the episode ends with Luffy fighting the other pirates and he defeats Alvito with a single blow after revealing that he's a boy made of rubber, <laughs> which at this point, there's no explanation really, as far as I remember. <laughs> what did you think about this idea that that, that is the, the special power of the main character is just that he's made of rubber? I think immediately I'm thinking like, well, if he's made of ru- rubber, like what other powers is he going to have? Like what sure. is going to be so special about being made of rubber? Yeah, I think the show does a good job, even during this first arc, of kind of showing that. I mean, when he fights Alvita, she smashes him in the head with his giant club, and right away he's just like, yeah, that doesn't work. I'm made of rubber. But it's like super cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's just super cute when he fights. Yeah, and it's funny because without like trying to get too far ahead, I'll just say when I was first reading it, I thought that seemed like such a silly thing. In this world, it's like, so full of crazy characters and all these dangerous powers and abilities the fact that the main character's thing is he's made of rubber (laughs) seemed like like, it seemed like a silly choice yeah it's refreshing honestly like it's not like he has has, he's like made of guns or something like it's very refreshing on a way to you know defend himself and to like actually fight yeah and i think that's again without getting ahead of myself it's the thing that i've realized from going through the series is like it's actually like such a versatile idea because it can get applied in so many different ways and it has such a distinct visual style when he's stretching his body and and using it to do all these different attacks i think it was just such a genius idea honestly it had to be like it had to be i mean again this is one of the things that was in romance dawn he was still a rubber boy and in every iteration. So that was his original vision. Yes, yeah, so that's what I was, I was going to say, is it seems like that was definitely a core part of his idea, which, I mean, <laughs> looking back, it's pretty genius because it's such a silly concept that just works so well, you know. But after defeating Elvita with his, uh, his rubber punch, he rescues Kobe, and they have a very interesting conversation because, you know, Luffy reveals that his goal is he wants to be king of the pirates. Like he's all by himself. He doesn't have a ship or anything, but he's just matter of factly like, yep, I'm going to be king of the pirates. I'm going to be king of the pirates. As soon as it gets challenged, he's just like, if I have to die pursuing my dream, you know, like whatever, you know, it's just very cheerful about it. I think that's what, that was actually one of my first notes that I put down was Kobe is literally like, Hey man, that, that's a big dream to have. Yeah. Like, do you realize what you're going to have to do? And he's like, oh, yeah, I know. And I'll yeah. die for it. Oh, and yeah. it's just so like it, you can see like for Kobe how he's just like, oh, maybe he's right. <laughs> yeah. And you can see that uh, with Kobe's dream of being 
part of the Navy. He, it feels like he's kind of given up on it because he's just so depressed and, you know, burdened with the fear of uh, being a part of this pirate crew that has kidnapped him. And right away, he's just like, yeah, you're right. Like, if I have to die trying, I'm going to pursue my dream. I'm going to be in the Navy, even though that puts them at, you know, opposite ends of the spectrum where they'll theoretically be enemies. He still is inspired. He winds up setting out with Luffy to go to Shellstown, which is the next location for uh, our journey here during Romance Dawn. So once they get to Shellstown, it winds up getting established pretty quickly that the local naval base is run by a man named Captain Morgan, who is feared by everyone on the island, but equally feared is the bounty hunter Rowan... Roronoa, I have so much That's trouble okay. saying his name. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, I've always had trouble with this name because it's so bizarre. Roronoa We should look Zorro. it up on Wikipedia or something. Yeah, I'm, I, the... I will bet you that there is some historical context because I have learned that a lot of his characters are based on, like, uh, famous pirates and stuff from history. So I'm sure there's something there. But it's Zoro for short. And uh, Zoro is being held captive by the Navy. One thing that I thought was really funny about this is that the way the way they showcase this in the show is that when they say Zoro's name, everyone in town like freaks out. Yeah. It's like, oh, crap, I guess he's a pretty scary dude. But then right I, after that. Yeah, I literally thought when they introduced mm-hmm. Zoro, because I think you just see like his eyes. Right? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, OK, another bad and guy. Sick guitar riff. Yes, <laughs> the <laughs> guitar riff every time you see him. I just I love that. But it's funny that right after that, they mentioned Captain Morgan and everyone reacts the same way with that fear. <laughs> and I think that is something that one, one of the things that One Piece does so well is there are so many complex concepts to the world building in the series. And it does such a great job in different arcs, like centering on these specific ideas and fleshing them out. And I feel like here, what they're setting up immediately is that this is not a story where it's like Navy's good guys. Pirates, bad guys. You know, it's like it's already setting up this kind of moral ambiguity where there are good pirates, there are bad pirates, there's good people in the Navy, there's bad people in the Navy. Because here we have, you know, the Navy base, which is supposed to be, you know, the people protecting this town. They are the bad guys, basically. And then meanwhile, Zoro, who's like this feared bounty hunter, winds up actually being a good guy. And I think that's something that winds up carrying forward a lot in the series. But it was just such an interesting way to introduce that concept, you know. So anyway, I think I'm getting ahead of myself again. Zoro, he's kind of introduced as this uh, bounty hunter who who goes after pirates. He's this famed, feared swordsman. But Luffy decides that he's going to go and look for Zoro, which is against Kobe's advice because Kobe's scared of him, which is not really a surprise for his character. But Luffy, which another character moment for Luffy, when he hears all this, he's just like, oh, that guy might be a good uh, addition to my crew. So he goes and seeks him out and they find him tied up in the yard outside of the Navy base. Um, oddly kind of like crucified. Yeah, I thought that that was really <laughs> yeah. odd too. I mean, maybe it's just because we live in America, but like yeah. that, it looked like Jesus and it was like, what is going on? Yeah, a little weird, but uh, as they're looking at him and, you know, they definitely make him seem like this very scary, intimidating figure. 
all of a sudden, before they get a chance to do anything, a young girl shows up with uh, some rice balls that she made herself. This is just so cute. Yeah. I just, I love this moment. Yeah, well, it's great because she, I mean, she immediately climbs over the fence and she's, she's trying to feed him these rice balls. And it already shows you, like, maybe there's something more to this character that maybe he's not such a bad guy. So I guess we already kind of hit on, you know, your first impressions here. One thing I did want to mention that I thought was kind of interesting is that I'm sure anyone listening who is familiar with the series knows that in the manga, at least the official release, his name was translated as Zolo instead of Zoro. Um, and that was something that really threw me off because I was immediately like, hold on, like, what is going on here? And I had to look it up. Apparently, what I discovered is that I kind of found two explanations for this. I didn't really find anything super definitive. So if I'm wrong, whatever. But anyway, what, what I saw was that when they were doing the translation, apparently the pronunciation between R and L is kind of ambiguous, ambiguous, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when they were doing the translation, the translator, I mean, in the beginning, the series was very small. It was nothing like what it is now. So it didn't have the same kind of oversight. And the translator apparently was just like, all right, Zolo. And the other thing that fed into that is that I think they were worried about um, copyright issues with Zorro. Oh, really? Yeah. And what I read is that this was something that was run by Oda and he checked off on it. They're like, okay, we'll do Zolo for the translation. And it's just become one of those things that's so funny because I guess by the time they got around to doing the anime, they were kind of like, whatever, we'll just, we'll do Zorro because that's, I guess, what his name is supposed to be. Like Zorro, from what I understand, is canonically like the actual translation. But the manga to this day still says Zolo, which is so bizarre when I'm reading like a new chapter, like chapter 1080 just came out. He's still Zolo. You know what I mean? But in the anime from the get go, it's been Zoro. So it's just such a bizarre disconnect that they never felt the need to to fix that, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think that's something that just it happens, you know, and that might just be an America thing, too. I have no idea what it's like in other countries how they translated it. But anyway, as this, this sweet little girl is uh, trying to feed him these rice balls, she gets interrupted by Helmeppo, who is the son of Captain Morgan. I am Captain Morgan's son, you know! Um, and he comes up and claims that any attempt to help the prisoner is punishable by death. So he snatches a rice ball out of her hand and he tries to eat it. And then we get a little gag about how she used sugar instead of salt is so japanese it's, it's so I thought funny it was just so sweet yeah but uh but yeah he gags on it he throws it on the ground stomps on it and then uh he orders his henchman to throw the little girl over the fence which was like okay like they're I mean, really digging into making him as evil he as was possible also, like threatening her with death oh uh, yeah like which is insane and i, and I thought it was funny that the the Navy guy who comes up kind of whispers to her like to curl into a little ball and you're thinking like, oh, okay, they're being nice, trying to make sure she doesn't get hurt. And then she fucking like chucks her way over the fence and Luffy has to like dive and catch her, um, which is so funny. But uh, but then we get Helmeppo and I think Helmeppo is funny because it, it ties into what we were saying about like Kobe's character design. Like Helmeppo is a bizarre 
characters. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he's supposed to be presented as like fashionable, sure. but he also has like a bowl cut and a side part, yeah. or well, a middle part, which is like, yeah, that's a choice. But it is funny how he's like immediately. It's it, there's no middle ground here. It's like he is just evil as shit. You know, like throwing a little girl over the fence, chucking her rice ball in the dirt, threatening her with death. It's it's. This is another thing that One Piece really does is uh, when they want you to hate a character, <laughs> he makes you hate that character. <laughs> yeah, that message received. Uh, yeah, and I think the character design plays into it too because I think you're meant to look at him and be like, you look dumb as hell. Like. <laughs> You know what I mean? But anyway, so after Helmeppo and his men leave, Luffy comes in, he introduces himself to Zoro, and he pretty boldly tells him that he's basically sizing him up to join his crew before Zoro has any chance to, you know, make a decision or respond. And Zoro immediately is just like, no, like, I'm not going to be a pirate. I'm a bounty hunter. Like, what are you talking about? Luffy, and, and that's the other part is that Luffy, you know, he's, he's a nobody. Like, he didn't even have a crew or anything, but he's just still like, yeah, you're going to join my crew. Like... <laughs> It just is what it is. What's interesting, though, is that Zoro still asks Luffy, Luffy to uh, feed him the rice ball, even though it's covered in dirt. And after eating it, he just claims that it's delicious. And you can already see, like, Luffy has a bit of a reaction, like a little smile when he hears that. And I thought that was a really interesting character moment because um, one of the things you come to find out about Luffy is... He definitely seems to be a good judge of character and little things like this, you know, he he notices that stuff. So I think right away, that alone probably made him feel like, yep, Zoro, he is going to be on my crew. <laughs> and I thought that was, uh, that was something very interesting. Yeah, I thought that that was really sweet just because, first of all, he could have been a snob about it and said, no, I'm not eating that. It's on the ground. Yeah. I mean, even but Luffy also, is like, yeah. this is mostly dirt. You know that, right? <laughs> but I think I would like to think that Zoro not only ate it probably because he was starving, but also yeah. because that little girl put so much work into it. Exactly. I think that's what Luffy really hones in on and, and realizes, you know. So after that, uh, Luffy returns to the town and he makes sure to tell the little girl that he ate every last bite of the food that she brought him. She seems very happy about that, but she also winds up revealing the truth behind his imprisonment, which is that uh, El Meppo, he was um, strutting around town, acting like you know he's in charge just because his dad is feared by everybody. While he's terrorizing everybody, he, he has this insane demonic dog that's just like wreaking havoc, like eating people's food and everything. Um, but when the dog tries to attack the little girl in this tavern that's owned by her mother, Zoro steps up, fucks that dog up. And uh, when Helmeppo, you know, tries to basically be like, don't you know who my dad is? Zoro just doesn't give a fuck. Like, he's ready to, <laughs> to throw down. But I think what's interesting about Zoro and his kind of morals at this point, you have to remember, he's not a pirate. He's a bounty hunter who goes after pirates. So when he's got this Navy man standing up to him, he's willing to kind of go along with him. And Helmeppo tells him, you know, in response to this, if he wants to keep the peace, basically, he's going to have to handle this imprisonment for 30 days. And if he can last for 30 days, then he'll be freed. And Zoro is just like, OK, whatever. Like, I can do that. Not long after that, Luffy runs into Helmeppo and he 
learns that he actually intends to execute Zora the next day. Like he doesn't care at all about their Which deal. Is typical, I think. Like yeah, not. I I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, at least it was to me at this point that there's some political commentary here. Sure. And I thought that that was an interesting way to see it because especially since this is portrayed as like a kid's show, which I mean, I'm sure it was watched by kids when it came out. You usually, at least in America, you see the government portrayed as the good guy. And I think that that was an interesting twist for a show of of this time, of course. I think that's going to really play into things later. (laughs) So (laughs) we'll, we'll see. But it is interesting because it just shows you how Oda, when he wants you to hate somebody, you're going to hate him. <laughs> you know, every step of the way, everything they do is just like, God, I just want to punch that guy in the face, <laughs> which is exactly what Luffy does. <laughs> Luffy, <laughs> when he hears that, he just punches him in the face, like does not care at all about who his dad is or anything. It is interesting because this starts to to show you, I mean, we're on episode two. We're starting to get a glimpse at Luffy's character and his motivations that even though he's a pirate, you know, he wants to be the king of the pirates. You can see how he he reacts to people who are kind to people who are weaker, who are more innocent. And so in this instance, when he learns that Zoro, this, this scary dude, the reason he's in prison is because he was defending a little girl, you know, that he's willing to, to go through with this imprisonment just to clear his name um, and is being betrayed. You can see how it fires him up and gets him pretty pissed off and he's ready to get involved in this whole thing. But it also shows that Luffy at this point, he's absolutely like, yup, he's my guy. He's he's gonna be my first crewmate. So after this, we finally get introduced to the terrible Captain Morgan as Helmeppo runs home to tattle on Luffy for punching him in the face. So Captain Morgan, I thought it's very interesting because he's his character design is very much like the scary bad dude, even though he's a Navy man. He's got an axe for a hand. <laughs> he's got a crazy looking elbow, which at this point makes no sense. It's like <laughs> this long thing sticking out and like a metal jaw. And it's funny because during the scene, it's made very clear like he he thinks very highly of himself. He's just constantly like, I am so great. Uh, yeah. great. I am the greatest. You can see you can see his mentality that he joined the Navy, he rose through the ranks and everything, and instead of doing it for any like altruistic reasons, it's just like, oh yeah, now I'm in charge, you know, so everyone has to respect me, which again goes into what we were saying about the complicated kind of morality in the One Piece universe and how things aren't quite black and white, you know? But uh, what did you think about Captain Morgan finally being introduced? I don't know if... This is probably the reaction you're expecting, but yeah. I mean, obviously, it looks like a bad guy, but I was just like not impressed. Like, yeah, well, I he just, is kind of like a, a B tier bad guy. And, and what know? I mean by not impressed is not like I was not impressed by a character design or anything. It was like, okay, yeah. okay, you're very full of yourself. I got it. <laughs> well, it is funny because I think at this point, the antagonists, you know, with Alvita and now Captain Morgan, they feel like I said B tier, probably more like C tier, <laughs> just like bad dudes, you know, that are like very, very bad. Yeah, you like know? we get it. You don't like yeah. anyone but yourself and maybe your son, barely. <laughs> yeah, they just kind of create these uh, antagonizing figures for and Luffy to go up against. And that's on Oda, because that's good. Sure. Like, I feel like that's, if 
you have me feeling that type of way about a character you introduced, I feel like you did your job. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's good at instantly just making you hate these guys. <laughs> you know, it's it just instantly like, oh, yeah, he's the bad guy. Yeah. You know, which is very interesting. After this, we're given a brief flashback of Zoro when he's a child. Um, so you get a little glimpse of his whole story. And what you look at is that he's being defeated by a girl swordsman. Um, and it kind of gives him some insight into his ambitions because he's just so frustrated that he keeps being beaten by this girl. And he apparently makes this promise that he's going to be the best swordsman in the world. But we don't really get a lot more insight just yet. It is, it is kind of interesting because I can say at this point in the manga, we had a much more in-depth flashback showing his exact ambitions and what's going on. But in the anime, we just get a little tease. So I'm, I'm sure at some point in the, in the anime, it's going to go into this a little bit more. But it seems like the pacing is just a little different um, right now, which I guess to like quickly talk about that, I do feel like in these early episodes, you can feel that like, obviously One Piece was not at all what it is today. Like it was definitely popular when they started making the anime. I think what happens is the creator doesn't have total control in the beginning. You know what I mean? Like there's kind of sacrifices you have to make in order to push this out and be successful. You have to kind of give some control over to the animation studio and all that. And you can feel it because there are a lot of like these little changes to the tone and the storytelling and some of the details. I mean, just the fact that Nami, the female character is like popping up all over the place when she was not present at all in the manga. So we'll see how that persists as we go. Cause I have a feeling as we get further along, Oda's gonna get more involved, have more control, and it's gonna be more true to the original. But we'll see. It is it is interesting, and I want to know how you feel about this, because now we have these two characters, they've made it pretty clear what their ambitions are. You know, Luffy wants to be king of the pirates, Zoro wants to be the best swordsman in the world. It seems like they were kind of destined to meet one another, you know? And I think that's interesting that he's not just like some random dude joining his crew. It's like, no, he has the same level of ambition as Luffy. No, I can see that. Mm-hmm. It's a good introduction. We get a lot of characterization very quickly. I think already makes him a pretty compelling character. I know when I was first reading, it definitely made me want to know more. In the finale of Romance Dawn, Luffy and Kobe, they head back to the courtyard where Zoro is being held, uh, and they inform him of Helmeppo's betrayal. Luffy then tells him that he'll retrieve his sword for him and free him, if Zoro agrees to join his crew. And he runs off before he even gets a response. Because Zoro, like, he, when he hears this, he's like, okay, untie me, free me. And he's like, okay, well, that means you're going to join my crew. And Zoro's like, no, like, what are you talking about? And Luffy just runs off <laughs> to get his sword before even a chance. But meanwhile, while this is happening, Captain Morgan, like a totally normal person that he is, he's erecting a giant statue of himself on the roof of the building, which, again, it's one of those, like, weird character moments that just shows you exactly what you're dealing with with this character. Like, this is how full of himself he is <laughs> that he has his crew um, lifting this giant statue but as they're doing this luffy he uses his rubber powers to slingshot himself right up onto the roof and he winds up destroying the statue in the process so it's like nice. right away that is their introduction to one another and while they're still trying to figure out what the heck's going on he luffy grabs helmeppo and he drags him inside 
um, forcing him to lead him to Zoro's sword, which he keeps saying, like, you know, he, I'm going to get your sword singular, which <laughs> is going is gonna to play into things in a minute. Because uh, once he gets to Helmeppo's room, he finds three swords. And I thought it was kind of funny that he's like, there's three swords. Like, which one, which one is his? He's like, ah, whatever, I'll grab all three of them. Like, let's just go. And uh, I also I like that because yeah. it's just such a natural reaction to the situation. They're sure. going to look for something specific and then they, wait, there's three. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I don't have the time to sort this out. And you just grab them. And I like that. Yeah. So he just he just grabs them. It's just like, all right, let's go. And while this is happening, you know, Kobe still being like the sweet little boy he is. He's trying to help out. He's trying to free Zoro from uh, being tied up now. One of the things that I thought was interesting here, so in in the anime, you know, he gets stopped by Captain Morgan and his crew come down and they're pointing guns, they're ready to shoot him. What happens in the manga is as he's trying to untie him, they shoot him. What? (laughs) They just shoot Kobe. (laughs) Like, I mean, they shoot, they wind up shooting him in the arm, but he's like, he's bleeding on the ground. He is a child, correct? (laughs) But I think this is one of those little things which I have a feeling is going to keep coming up, especially in the beginning, is that this was definitely treated as like a kid's series, which is part of why I, I never really got into it. Um, and I think this is one of those changes where they were like, we can't just have this kid get shot. Yeah, I <laughs> am gl- kind of glad they did not do that. Yeah, and I, I think... I, I mean, they launched a girl over the fence. Yeah, well, but, but she gets caught yeah, yeah by Luffy. But... um. I have a feeling where from what I've read, I think there there are some other little changes like this because in the manga, one of the things, this is something actually kind of common in manga, especially when they're starting out, is that at the end of chapters, sometimes you'll have these little pages where the author is like speaking to the audience about things. And I remember there's there's something later where there's a big change in the anime and he addresses it there and says basically that you know, the, the anime studio is kind of doing their thing. They thought this was kind of a bit much for kids. So it's just one of those things, you know, we'll get to that when we get there. I, I, I really think in the beginning, they're trying to make this as kid-friendly as possible. <laughs> and as they go, as he gets more control, as it gets more popular, we start seeing that less and less. But it's worth pointing out now anyway. So as the Navy men are preparing to shoot Kobe and Zorro, <laughs> Uh, Luffy suddenly appears and he puts his body in the way, takes all the bullets, and we get another character moment where you see that the bullets do nothing to his rubber body and they just get deflected right back at the rest of the Navy. Yeah, this was really such a cool moment for me watching it where I feel like you really get to see like what he's capable of. Yeah, I think that's what's interesting with stuff like this, like with him getting smashed by Alvita's club as you're starting to get an idea of, you know, the breadth of his powers. Um, and speaking of which, I think this is when we first get introduced to the concept of devil fruits because Captain Morgan is the one who points out like, oh, that's a devil fruits powers. And they don't really go in depth into it, but that's, that's kind of their first explanation of why he's a rubber boy is apparently it's this thing called devil fruits. Um, do you even do you remember this detail? Like, did this stand out to you at all? With see, this is a little hard for me to figure out timelines on yeah. this 
in particular? Because I think I remember like asking you a bunch of questions about it and you're just like, hold on, hold on. Because it's just like you didn't want to me to spoil myself. But I was just so curious on how and this is also what made me just keep wanting to watch because I wanted to know like what what is that? Is there more like what what is it? And I, I think that's a good thing to point out is with this podcast. I'm going to try to give some more depth to a lot of these details, but I am being very careful only to use what we've seen so far. So once we get a little more insight, I'll go into it more because um, at this point, this isn't really a spoiler to say, but I will say that the nature of the devil fruits, it doesn't get revealed until after chapter 1000. <laughs> So it's, Wait, really? <laughs> yes. I mean, they explain like more about what they are, but specifically like where they come from. That's just why I love time. this though. Yeah. But like I'm okay waiting and finding out because first of all, I, I think I explained this like when we had our intro, mm-hmm. but I just love how you get background on everything, like literally oh, yeah. everything. Yeah, for sure. But I think that's really all the information we get so far is this kind of... Um, we just get this kind of like ominous reveal that, oh, this is a devil fruit, which already sounds like very... Uh, very ominous. Yes. Very, <laughs> yes. Very ominous. Ominous. I don't know. Ominous. <laughs> <laughs> get a little tongue tied. Um, but after that, Captain Morgan and Luffy engage each other in single comment and single combat. I mean, Luffy, he just whoops his ass. <laughs> like, it's not even really much of a fight. It definitely shows you how even against someone as as terrifying as Captain Morgan with his axe hand, which, by the way, we get to see the reason his elbow looks like that. He uses it as like a little handle when he's swinging <laughs> the axe. It's like, okay, sure. You know what? Yeah, he just gets crushed by Luffy. Um, shows you that this guy who is very unassuming, is uh, he's pretty tough. He's He's definitely able to handle his own. But he only gets stopped from from defeating him when Helmeppo actually takes Kobe hostage, which, of course, he does. It's the, <laughs> the cowardly thing to do. But Luffy doesn't even seem to react to that. He just immediately um, winds back and does, I think this is the first time when they really have his signature move, his gum-gum pistol. You know, his punch that has the power of a pistol. He stretches it all the way across the field and he knocks Helmeppo out. And simultaneously, I, I think we might have skipped over this, but they do manage to free Zoro. And you and there's the reveal that, oh, he uses three swords. That's his style. Uh, Which is like super cool. <laughs> yeah. One in each hand and one in his mouth. And uh, what I thought was interesting here is that when he knocks out Helmeppo, you know, Captain Morgan's right behind him. He's completely exposed, but you can tell he already trusts Zoro to the point where like he doesn't even flinch because he knows Zoro is going to step up and he does. He Zoro cuts down Captain Morgan and there's a nice little moment where it's like just like that. It feels like they've kind of sealed the deal that they're going to be crewmates now. But that definitely you can see the mutual respect there. And this is when Zoro is finally like, okay, I'll join your crew. Like, screw it. And the other thing that's interesting is that Luffy seems to be supportive of Zoro's dream of being the best swordsman. I think he's basically like, 
So you want to be the best swordsman? Great. Like if you're going to be on the crew, the king of the pirates, like I better have the best swordsman. (laughs) So he's already like uplifting him and supporting his dream without trying to stand in his way, you know? Yeah. I think what I I love about this is you can see like the instant like camaraderie between them. Yeah. I did want to point out quickly that in the manga, one of those pages I mentioned where the where Oda's kind of talking to the audience. Yeah. He shows some of his early designs for Captain Morgan. And it's funny because uh, it also shows how he he didn't have as much like complete control in the beginning, but he has a design where he's like, well, this is Helmeppo's father, so I'm going to make him look like Helmeppo. So he oh. has this goofy little haircut, just like Helmeppo. It <laughs> doesn't have the like steel jaw and everything. I want to I want to see those. I'll show yeah. you. It's it's very funny, but it's it's one of those things where I almost feel like that I think that would be more interesting, you know, as a design, but his editors said that he looked dumb. So he redesigned <laughs> them to look more badass and uh it's funny cuz yeah, going back now, I feel like ah they should have just gone with the goofy design. I mean, he's a C-tier guy, <laughs> uh, villain anyway, so. So anyway, after they finally join up together they head back to the town uh they celebrate with some food which you're gonna find is a one-piece staple but they're just kind of hanging out they're discussing their aspirations getting ready to head back out on the sea and there's the reveal that if he's going to become the king of the pirates they're going to have to go to the grand line to find the one piece um which i guess we should talk about very briefly um that the whole idea in the series is that there was this pirate named Captain Roger who was the previous king of the pirates who found this treasure called the One Piece, which is this mysterious thing. We have no idea what it is, but the the opening of, of every episode explains that while he was being executed, he called out to everyone that, uh, you know, the one piece, it's still out there for whoever wants to find it. And it's kind of assumed that whoever finds that one piece, that's the person who's going to be the next king of the pirates. And that's why now we're in this kind of golden age of piracy, because that simple speech as he was being executed inspired all these pirates to head out there and say, like, you know what? That can be me. I'm going to be the next king of the pirates, including our boy Luffy, Luffy. <laughs> uh who's literally starting from nothing. Like, what were your, uh, did you have any kind of thoughts or anything about that idea? No, it all sounded really foreign to me. So I had no idea. I'm like, okay, Grand Line, One Piece, I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm like, for a reminder, I am coming into this literally with like no knowledge. Sure, of course. But I will say just to kind of set things up, We aren't given a lot of info on what the Grand Line is, but at this point, I'll just say it seems like it's some stretch of ocean that's considered to be really dangerous because when they're talking about going to the Grand Line, I think Kobe's the one who's basically like, what? Like, it's just a (laughs) tour of you and you don't even have a ship. Like, you can't go there yet. Um, But Luffy, like being Luffy is just like, hey, if that's what we got to do, let's go. Like, doesn't care at all about the danger or anything. Eventually, you know, as they're discussing this, kind of setting up where the story's going to be going, um, the Navy shows up and they wind up thanking Luffy for saving them from Captain Morgan because it seems like he was a terror for everyone. Um, Nobody particularly liked him. But since Luffy's a pirate and they're the Navy, they can't 
officially be harboring him there. So they tell him, sorry, but you got to go. And it's funny because I think this is one of the things that sets up the idea of pirates in this world and Luffy's concept of what a pirate is, because even though the townspeople are kind of like, what? Like, are you kidding me? Like, he just saved us and you're kicking him out. Luffy's immediately just like, yeah, fair. You know, (laughs) and their attitude is kind of like, you know, pirates, like we should be hated, you know, like it should be like, what better way to leave somewhere than to fill our bellies up with food and then have everybody kicking us out. You know, like that just seems like, of course, that's what being a pirate is. You know, it's like half the fun to Luffy. But then there's an interesting scene where as they're getting ready to leave, the Navy is kind of like, well, hold on. Like, isn't he with you? Like pointing to Kobe. And there's this like fearful moment because Kobe realizes if he wants to be a part of the Navy, he can't be seen associating with pirates. And even more than that, they can't know that he was on Alveda's crew, even if he was a hostage, because they can't know for sure he might be like a spy, you know, a pirate spy trying to join the Navy. And Luffy knows this. So when they start saying like, wait, isn't he with you? Isn't this your friend? Luffy starts to be like, oh, yeah, like he's he was uh, with that pirate crew. Let me tell you about that. And he kind of has Kobe getting more and more agitated until Kobe just punches him in the face because he's so afraid of him saying something. And Luffy just starts smacking the hell out of him, (laughs) which then gets the Navy to break them up and be like, "Okay, clearly you guys aren't friends. You need to get the hell out of here. Leave this little pink haired boy alone. I thought that that was such an interesting way to show nuance yes. in the show. And at first, I, I, I'm i a very gullible person. So at first I'm watching and I'm like, wait, what's going on? Oh, he's oh, yeah. doing this on purpose. Okay, I see. And it's just so sweet in the most yeah. complicated way. I think it's great because I had the same reaction the first time I was reading it. It was kind of like, what the heck? Like, you guys mm-hmm. are supposed to be friends. What are you doing? And then it's that realization. It is such a good character moment to show, like, this is how much of a big heart that Luffy has, that he he knows exactly what to do to help Kobe out. Like, that was the best thing he could have done yeah, in that situation. Yeah, it's this amount of respect where he yeah. was like, okay, he told me this is what he wants. I'm going to do whatever I can to help. Yes. And it's as someone who has this big dream, you can see he has so much respect for Kobe's dream and doesn't want to do anything to disrupt or to step on that. And so it is it is a huge character moment to me. And I remember reading it. It said a lot to me about his character because he is such a goofy, you know, he, he's this very carefree, silly guy who seems kind of brained at a lot of the times. <laughs> but then there's moments like this where you see like he really he knows what he's doing and he, he really does have this big heart. Um, yeah, I would say he is the epitome of what it is to have a big heart. Yeah, he's a great protagonist. As they're leaving, there's there's also a nice moment between Luffy and Zoro where Zoro's kind of like, yeah, I don't think you fooled anybody. Like He just <laughs> immediately knows what's going on, which also I, I feel like is a bonding moment for the two of them. Yeah. Because Zoro sees it too. He sees the kind of character Luffy is. Um, and so as they're sailing away, there's kind of a tearful goodbye with Kobe. It, it's very clear that, you know, Luffy tells him, even though you're going to be in the Navy and I'm a pirate, we're always going to be friends. You know, and even the Navy shows up and they 
um, salute them as they're sailing away. But then, of course, the captain's <laughs> like, all right, well, since we decided to do this, we're not going to eat for three days because uh, they still have to maintain that they're the Navy and they're the pirates and we can't be fraternizing like that, which this this goes back to kind of what I said before about the morality of the series that, you know, not all the Navy's good, not all the pirates are bad. Like there is this weird grayness um, and there seems to be this clear line in the world where it's like, no, pirates and Navy can't be friends. Like that's just not the order of things. But there can still be these human moments and the recognition of that stuff, which really to me adds a lot of depth and heart to something that is kind of like a kid's show, you know, like it, it, it isn't all black and white and it's, and there seems to be a lot of complexity under the surface and that's part of the appeal of it. So anyway, what we finally end on is, we see Nami once again looting, doing her thing. She's in the Navy base <laughs> yes, trying to eat rob the rich. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and she finds this secret safe, and and she mentions that she thinks that what's in the safe is a nautical map of the Grand Line, which we've been teased about a little bit. But when she opens it up, you see that uh, uh, it's a message from Buggy the Clown saying Buggy was here which is definitely what sets up the next arc of the series. So, uh, overall, I think what's interesting here, we get to see these humble beginnings. Um, I think definitely when I was reading it and I want to know how you felt, it was interesting to me that we are starting in such a small spot with you know just two of these guys on a tiny little rickety boat knowing that there are over a thousand chapters of this thing what did you think about you know the setup here and where do you think things are going to go so i can say that all i know is that i was excited to watch more yeah i can't exactly say like what at this point i'm predicting but i think my mind is just like, okay, let's see where this keeps going because I'm already interested. Mm -hmm. So that's about where I land at this moment. It's just like, all right, what's next? So what do you think about the reveal of Buggy the Immortal? Well, okay, I don't like clowns. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> I what like, I'm kind of getting to. Yeah, I, uh, I don't like clowns at all. And mm. we've had this life experience together, so you know... <laughs> You yeah. know how I am with it. So I was not excited about that because when I think I think I remember they show like a silhouette of yeah, him like and a little drawing of the clown. Yeah. And you yeah. can clearly see it's a clown. So I'm like, oh, great. Is this going to be one clown? <laughs> yeah. Is this going to be multiple clowns? Yeah. Like I <laughs> this this did make me nervous because I, I just really don't like clowns. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> yeah, well, I think uh they do leave us with some nice um, stuff that's set up. We know that we're going to be meeting Buggy the Clown in the next arc. And we've also been teased about the Grand Line, which things seem to be heading in that direction. But, um, but the next arc in the series is called Orange Town. This is going to cover episodes 4 through 8 and chapters 8 through 21 of the manga. Once again, I guess... Just to set things up a bit here for anyone new to the series, 
it it very much is like in the beginning the arcs are very small feels like it's definitely setting things up but as it goes it's like a snowball you know it just keeps building momentum and some of the later arcs they're just so massive and so epic and that's one of the things i will say to kind of tease where things are going is is one piece one of the reasons why I got so caught up in it is I genuinely feel like as it goes, it just gets better and better. It gets bigger. There's just more world building, more characters. And even at, you know, after over a thousand chapters, I mean, they're still hitting these events that like, you know, if you go to the the Reddit, there's stuff that's still happening that hits like the front page of Reddit. That's like so Yeah, insane. let's touch on I, that for a yeah. second. Because... I, I'm an avid Reddit user and now with us starting this podcast and even just before, like when I was watching, I'm like, okay, I don't want to spoil myself. That is so hard now because my algorithm knows like, well, I also followed the one piece subreddit, but like, I, it's not a good idea, but I just, I love seeing the memes and everything and like fan theories and stuff and it's hard because i'm trying to not spoil myself so sometimes i do send things to you to see like is this okay or yeah it's gonna be tough to avoid that stuff but um you know we'll get there maybe in like six years we'll catch up (laughs) uh we'll see but uh yeah i guess in the meantime uh i hope you guys enjoyed our first real episode still like figuring this out we definitely want to keep these episodes around like an hour, an hour and a half long. You know, I I don't think that every arc is going to be this in depth, but when we have three episodes, it's hard to kind of pad it out. But when we get to the bigger arcs, we're definitely going to fly through the story a little quicker because there's going to be more going on. But that's, you know, that's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, this has been Straw Hat Social Club. But hold on. Don't yes. outro just yet. Okay. We... Follow us on our socials, first of all. Of course. I, I wasn't going to end this yeah, without that. I mean, I don't know. We're, uh, like I said, we're still figuring this out. Yeah. So we have a Gmail. If you would yeah. like to message us with maybe ideas or fan theories you want to get into. If if you are seasoned. No spoilers. Yes. If yeah. you are seasoned in One Piece, please put in the subject title the Spoiler or for Todd to let him have him read first or something. Um, Because I will be mostly managing socials and stuff like that. So please don't be a dick and just email spoilers to us or DM us spoilers. That would really suck. So please don't do that. But you can follow us on Straw Hat Social Club everywhere. And we have YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Whatever platform, you know, tickles your fancy. Follow us there. Sure. Um, yeah, and again, you can reach us at strawhatsocialclub at gmail.com. Yeah, thank you for listening. Yes. Uh, I guess I'll just reiterate, with the recaps, our goal is to do every other week. Because it does take a bit of work to get this all set up and to watch the episodes and everything. But we have some plans for the in-between weeks. I guess we'll talk about that more later. Um, Yeah, you'll see them pop up. Yeah. This has been Strawhead Social Club. I'm Todd. I'm Becca. Uh, Thank you for listening and catch us in two weeks. Yeah. All right.